You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your life and home, as well as give you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created a safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you, bringing you clarity and solution with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversation with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel, and today I have Sania Khalil Allah. So I might have butchered the name, but she will correct me. It's a beautiful name with lots of letters, but I am just so, so delighted to have Sania with us today. She is a Montessori teacher, and she has just published her uh, new books, actually two new books, um, that I just adore that are meant for children. Uh, I did it myself, and I help at home. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about all of that and more. So welcome, and thanks for making the time to be with us today. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited for this interview. Yes. Um, and Tania was saying this was her first interview. And I'm like, well, that's what you get for being a published author. So <laughs> so I just want to say congratulations, because it's really uh, a delightful book that you you have done. Um, so I often start my interviews with asking my guests to define the art of parenting. So I know you're not a parent yet, but you're a teacher. And so maybe let's, what is the art of teaching for you? How would that be for a good question to start? Ooh, I like that spin on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I think the art of teaching, it kind of goes along with art. You know, it's very unique for every person and every individual. You know, every teacher's classroom is going to be different just because of the environment, the children in it, um, and the teacher itself. You know, every person is different. What works for me is not going to exactly work for every other Montessori teacher. So I really do like the um, the idea of art of teaching instead of just, you know, saying teaching as a blanket, you know, across the board. Um, it's going to be very unique for every person. Right, right. And so um, you are a Montessori teacher and have been for the past 12 years. And I would just love for you to maybe share with our listeners, like how you came upon Montessori and what brought you also to write these two books, uh, create these two books um, and all that. G give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, so I went to a school in Illinois, Illinois State University, where I studied psychology and did a child studies minor. Um, I thought I was going to be a child psychologist, but I just have too much empathy. <laughs> um, I feel like I would just take every child home <laughs> with me that I thought was going through something challenging. So um, I kind of stepped back from that. I moved to Chicago um, right when I graduated from college. I stumbled upon a Montessori school kind of understanding what Montessori was just because I had the psychology background, um, but not fully understanding it. So I went into the school, I got the job as an assistant and the 
director really liked me and encouraged me to go through to be a certified monastery teacher. So I did that. I took full four full years to do that. <laughs> it should have been three, but it took four, <laughs> uh, which is fine. Take your time to do it. And then I came back and I ran my own classroom for about 12 years um, at three different schools in Chicago and three different classrooms. And uh, last year I took a year off and I kind of just did my own thing. I did some consulting and tutoring. Um, and during the pandemic, I made a website skmonastory.com and that's where story publishing found me and they offered for me to write a couple books about the activities um, based off of Montessori philosophy and I said of course <laughs> of course I want to do that um, so that has been a journey since 2020 and right now I work as a peer professional in a charter school which is a little different um, but I'm still doing the writing the books and I have my own website going and I have an online presence that I um, work on every day. Wonderful. And and you, you mentioned something, you said a paraprofessional. What is that exactly? So a paraprofessional is someone who will help a child that has um, a different learning ability that kind of needs a little bit more guidance in the school setting. And yeah, so I'm a kind of assistant to a child, more or less. Okay. And and I remember actually having someone like that in my classroom, and we called it a shadow, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And so it's interesting how you said you studied psychology, but you didn't know much about Montessori when you first stumbled upon it. What what attracted you to, to Montessori? Well, I really enjoyed working with children and having them have these aha moments that, um, you know, you just don't see too much in a traditional classroom. And I don't want to speak too much on traditional classrooms because I haven't worked in one and leading my own classroom, but I haven't been able to experience it as much as I had in a Montessori environment where children are walking around doing what they enjoy to do, having these smiles on their faces because they're working and learning in a way that makes sense to them. And then having a guide, not so much tell them what to do, but kind of guide them in a direction that will benefit everyone in the long run. Yes, yes. And and beautiful. And so, you know, we, we know that I know a lot about Montessori. But <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking about our listeners. And maybe if you want to give a spin on, you know, what is Montessori to those who are listening who, who maybe have never heard of it? I, I would love that. And and just I just have one comment when you said, you know, I don't I've never worked in a traditional or a conventional educational setting. I doubt that you would be able to after knowing Montessori, to be honest. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> I think it would be really, really hard. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a little little kind of maybe, you know, background on Montessori itself and, and how you define it. Sure. Montessori to me is all about following the child. And if you're a Montessorian, you have heard this phrase all the time, <laughs> every day, probably if you're still working in a Montessori environment. Um, but I, I really, really um, enjoyed that phrase because it resonates with me because following the child is what you do when you're guiding children in a Montessori environment. You watch the children to see what they enjoy to do and what attracts them and what kind of gives them that um, that sense of pride and that sense of concentration. And you follow that. 
you know, so if you have a child that really enjoys flowers, you know, they see the flower at the table and they're picking at it, they're looking at it, they're enjoying the colors, they love the way the water looks in the vase, then you you go off with that. You know, maybe you can do a unit about nature with that child. Or maybe you can pick apart the flower and start naming every single different different parts of the flower with that child, you know, and you can even count petals. So you can bring math into it. You're bringing science, you're bringing math, you can draw the flower, you know. So I just, to me, Montessori is about following the child's interests and following what, what kind of gives that child the light and then creating the education around that child. And I really enjoy that um, each child has their own lesson plan, you know, so it's not just or teaching the whole classroom as a whole is teaching the child the way that they need to be taught. Right. It's the the, the notion that it is child-driven as opposed to adult-driven. Yeah. It, I remember being in the classroom having, you know, 24 different lesson plans because you have a mixed age group of children and each child has a different need and, and different curiosity and all of that. And it is... It is really beautiful. And how do you, so so in Chicago, were these uh, private schools or public schools? Because I know that the Chicago does have some public Montessori, correct? They do have some public Montessori. Um, and the ones that I worked with were private because I did teach preschool. So um, I never did the upper elementary or lower elementary. Um but I have been in pri- or public Montessori schools in Chicago, and I think I would stick to private. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just yeah, that's a whole other kind of worms, right? It's a whole because, other kind yeah, of mm-hmm. yeah, because you have to, um, and and for our listeners, it's basically you know Montessori has a certain curriculum and principles, but then when you're wanting to do it public, you still have to abide with you know, the, the, the requirements of the state, of the county that you're in and licensing. And, and sometimes that can be a bit hard to do. <laughs> right, exactly. And not only, not only that, but it was, they were converting these public schools into Montessori schools, which meant that the teachers had to completely shift the way that they have taught and go undergo a Montessori training, not because they wanted to, but because that's the way the school was going. So I didn't see, you know, when I did my training, I did it with people who wanted to do it and the passion was there. I think you're going to get a different classroom when it's kind of forced upon you. And I'm not sure if that's how they all go. I'm just speaking of the one that I I was in. Yeah. And and I think, you know, it's funny that you say that because right now I'm actually working with, it's actually a co-working space that has uh, childcare. And so they're wanting to do a Montessori space. And, and so I've been working with the adults there. And it's true, it's hard when, you know, something is kind of imposed on you, and that's not necessarily your training. But to be honest, like, working with these adults and really sharing what is possible, I think they got like super excited and were like, okay, we're fully on board. So, you know, I think that, that I, that, you know, conventional uh, 
teachers, I think once they get a taste of Montessori, they usually, you know, I mean, I won't speak for all of them, but I feel like they usually kind of have a full buy-in and and are actually end up being really enthusiastic about it. Just because they fought for, you know, so many years to to direct every child when it's just not natural <laughs> and and no child wants to be told what to do. So I'm sure they can let go of some things too as well. You know, that's not such a straight way of doing things. Right. Now, I'd love for you, like when you, uh, you know, are working in the classroom with the children, I imagine that you also interact with the parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did. What, how, how, how is that like? And, and any advice that you, you know, kind of the advice from your child's teacher, like what are some things that you wish parents knew more about when it came to Montessori? Something I wish parents knew more about. I think parents, and I don't, I don't want to say this for every parent, but I think a lot, a lot of what I see is that Montessori can be for every child but it's not for every parent. And I, I would like to see parents kind of take, you know, their, their ideas of what, you know, parenting should be or how their child should be and take that kind of away and then see their child for who they are. You know, I, I remember distinctly one um, conference I had with a parent and she was so upset that her child didn't want to come to dinner, the dinner table every night. And I kept hearing her say, I want her to be there. I need her to be there. I need us to be a family. And I said, what about what the child wants? And she looks at me in these big eyes. And she's like, I never thought of that. <laughs> you know, it's very powerful way of thinking, but it, it takes a lot, you know, because of the way you're conditioned to think that the family has to run and your home has to run. You know, if you kind of just let those things go and kind of follow what the child is trying to communicate to you. I think it will change the way that parenting is done. Definitely. And I love what you said at the beginning of Montessori is for every child, but not for every parent. I have heard that before. I have said it myself. Uh, but I would love if you could maybe expand on that. And, and what what do you actually mean when you say it's not for every parent? Well, I think um, as you know, growing up, you kind of get these ideas of what you want your family to look like, what you want your children to do, how you want them to behave. And it's hard to kind of let those things go. And I remember reading a discipline book, um, Positive Discipline by Joanne Nordin, I believe. And one of the first things she says is that the discipline needs to come from within the person giving the discipline and not so much the child who needs to be disciplined. So if you have things that you need to work on internally, mentally, um, for maybe your past, that needs to be worked out first before you can jump to any other techniques. And I, you know, I took that to heart and I'm like, wow, that kind of makes sense, <laughs> you know, because there, there could be a lot of projecting and um, things of that nature. And I think if we just kind of take a step back and see what the child needs, it'll make a big difference for what the outcome of what you want your family to look like. Right, right. So it's it's really, I mean, what I'm hearing you say, it's really about letting go of the expectations that we might have had about what, you know, our family should look like and, and really 
accepting the child for who they are, you know, as a whole full-fledged human being that has a, a very unique, you know, I don't know, how would you say a very unique path to to live and so so the same thing i think goes with uh teachers so i know that in montessori we don't call you a teacher but we call you a guide uh and and also in montessori we talk a lot about the spiritual preparation of the adult uh this notion that like you said you know for the parent of even doing that inner work what what did that look like for you as you kind of prepared yourself to be a Montessori guide right you know I had to take myself outside of the classroom you know I had to keep myself kind of mute you know when I was in the classroom Anything that was going on with me, I had to drop it at the door. You know, obviously, I mean, I'm a human. Things are going to happen when I'm in a classroom for eight hours a day. But my sole responsibility was to guide these children and not put myself onto them. You know, so just because, you know, I love plants and I love to have flowers around the room and I love taking care of plants, it was my job not to technically forced the children to also love plants and want to have flowers in the classroom, even though they're beautiful and we all should. <laughs> um, but I, I understood that very quickly when I was working with a three-year-old child one day and just one of my first years in the classroom. And I was so excited about pulling apart a flower and doing all the parts of the flower with the three-part cards that give you the exact um, name of each part of the flower and she was not interested at all, like completely <laughs> at all, like turning her head, anything that would distract her, she was on it. But I went through with the lesson because I wanted it, not because she wanted it, because I wanted it. And after that, I kind of thought about it. And I was like, what was the point of doing that lesson? You know, she didn't gain anything from that. I liked it, but it's not about me. So I have to, I had to really think about how to make myself mute within the environment. And that goes along with uh, talking a very soft voice, going up to children instead of screaming across the room to get attention um, from a child, you know, just making myself that quiet person that kind of fly on the wall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It is kind of a fly on the wall and, and just... For me, I just remember the beauty in observing, like really, you know, taking a step back and just observing, which uh, for for those listening to us, when you're in a Montessori classroom, you have, you know, let's say 24 children, you're two adults in there, there's a, you know, a lot of activity going on because they're each individually choosing work. It takes a while for all of these little humans to settle down and really choose their work. But there is a time in the year where we feel like we've, we, we've got this, (laughs) where (laughs) everybody is working and we can sit on our stool and just observe. And it is just such a beautiful thing to be able to do. And especially with um, the three-year cycle where these children are in there for three years um, in this Montessori environment, it's so beautiful to see the older ones helping the younger ones. So you do have that chance (laughs) to kind of sit back and um, observe what's going on and 
really take in the classroom as a whole. Right, right, and and just just to backtrack for for the listeners, the in the Montessori environment, so in the Montessori schools, uh, it is mixed ages as opposed to conventional education where we separate children by birthday. So we, as guides, we really have the children from about two and a half to about five and a half, six. And so they have, you know, the opportunity to really learn a a wide range of things, but also, um, like Sania was saying, is that the older child gets to even I like to me, it's like really embody the lessons because then they get to teach the younger ones. And it's just such a beautiful sight to see. It is. And the younger ones are so happy to work with their older peers and the way they admire them. Oh, it is. It's lovely. And, and to me, it's also like for the younger one, it gives them this notion of what they will get to do eventually. And so they, so there's a logic to all the activities that they're doing because they know where it's going to take them as opposed to like in conventional, you know, classrooms, you're, you just have, you're in a silo. You don't see what's coming and all of that. So yeah, to me, that's, that's just genius to have uh, the mixed ages for sure. I love that quality in the environment. Yeah, yeah. So, what uh, what kind of um, plans or or uh, projects do you have uh, looking kind of into the future? And, and do you eventually want to get back to the classroom? Or that's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> I have never been a published author before, <laughs> and yeah. this is my first podcast ever. So. Things I feel like are just starting, you know, so I'm, I'm very excited, a little anxious, <laughs> I will admit. Um, I'm not 100% sure well-being in a year from now. Um, I would love, love for um, SK Montessori to kind of launch off and start doing um, consulting and my personal tutoring um, and things like that, have a bigger online presence and hopefully make these books into a series so that, uh, you know, we can do more specific kind of things like maybe I did gardening or I can help in the kitchen, you know, th- those kind of things. Um, so right now I'm kind of, you know, just in the very beginning process of <laughs> this fun journey. <laughs> but that's but that's wonderful. I mean, to be, I mean, for me, and I didn't realize that it was the publisher that had come and, and seeked you out. So I think that that's a compliment to the work that you're already doing. Yeah, it was, it was a very, you know, it was very humbling and very, um, I don't know, if you were to tell me, you know, 10 years ago that I was going to be an author, that I'd be a writer, like that was never in my cards. Like that was something that, you know, I never, you know, I never took my writing as something that would be well enough to be published, you know, and now I, I wrote articles for um, the AMS website and, you know, I have two published books out. I, I'm like, I guess I'm pretty good at this. And to me, it sounds like it's not really about the, you know, the writing itself. I mean, your writing is very good, but it's, it's more about, the message and, and we can, we can feel your passion in what you're wanting to share. So I think that's also where, where that comes from. So thank you. Yeah. 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 (laughs) 
So anything that you would like to maybe share with our listeners about uh, your journey or about Montessori in general? And then I did have another question about when you say you're consulting. Is that consulting with families or with schools? Um, I have done consulting with families. Um, I have been asked to do some consulting with schools. It was in a it was just not the right time. Uh, for that. I think I, um, there were some more trainings I wanted to do for that. But I have done um, consulting with families and it was really, I mean, if I could do that full time, that would be my dream. I loved it. I really enjoy um, teaching others about Montessori and about how practical and affordable it can be within your own home. And I want to spread that. And that's something also I did with my books. You know, that was one of the biggest things that I told um, Story Publishing is that I want to make this affordable for everyone. I don't want this stigma that Montessori has to be expensive, that you have to go out and buy all these materials. I want people to understand that this comes from the mindset first. You know, it's not about how many, you know, expensive things you can go out and buy for your child. It's about you know, following that child, you know, doing things that interest the child and kind of building education around that. And um, that was my whole goal with this. And I felt like I did it with consulting. I feel like I'm doing it with the books right now. So I just want to keep pushing that, you know, and bringing it into neighborhoods or to families that think they can't afford it. Beautiful. And it's true. I mean, to me, that is unfortunately a big myth about Montessori is that it is, you know, for the elite few, But when we know the history and we know Dr. Montessori started in a, you know, working class neighborhood in Rome, uh, it was, you know, it was never meant to be for, you know, at all segregated in any way or be for just one, you know, part of the, the, the population. So lovely. Yeah. And, and what, like when you say, you know, you want to, kind of help families understand this, this mindset, anything that you, you know, let's say you have a parent that is listening right now, they've just kind of learned about Montessori, they're intrigued about it. What would you tell them to maybe look for or do in their home? Uh, I think it's all about, you know, and I've said this so many times, but follow the child, observe what the child and likes to do you know if you see that your child is watching you every time you mop and tries to imitate you mopping maybe give a mop to them that is accessible to them you know let them you can even have them pour the water into the bucket you know give them a role within that experience where they feel included inside of that environment and I think it's very important that the children feel like a part of the family unit unit or even in the classroom, they feel part of the classroom. And that will give them trust within the environment, trust within the people around them. And then they will just flourish. You know, a lot of the times, um, you know, you can see behaviors that you might not want to see, (laughs) so to say, um, in an environment, because the child is trying to connect and trying to get attention and trying to communicate something to you. You know, if we give the child the chance to um, communicate in a positive way, you know, if they're watching you do something and you just kind of get annoyed with them, you know, instead of getting annoyed with them, maybe you can invite them to do what you're doing, you know, and I, again, I'm not a parent, so I don't know how easy it is when you come home from an eight hour work shift and you know, all you want to do not. is, be <laughs> I know, I know. And, and this is what I always say is it 
my disclaimer. I am not a parent. Um, I just, this is just what I see. And I just try to give the best advice for the child uh, developmentally at that time. <laughs> yes, yes. No, but you're totally right. I mean, about you know, having them be involved with what you're doing. I know it always makes me sad when uh, parents contact me and they're they're kind of annoyed or just, you know, frustrated that uh, they can't get dinner done because their child always wants to be there. And it's like, well, that's a, that's a very loud message. They want to be a part of it. Like give them something to, to peel or wash or, or like they want to participate. They've been watching you do this and they're just fascinated. So, um, and, and, and also like, don't wait until you think that they're ready to know how to do it because then you will have missed your window of opportunity, uh, to get them involved. So, so yeah. And I always say, you know, a lot of the time, especially in, you know, bigger cities like Chicago, there is a rush, rush, rush kind of environment, um, trying to get out the door and just trying to beat traffic, all these kind of things, all these other layers. I always tell families, you know, give that child an extra 10 minutes to put their shoe on. Give them an extra 20 minutes to pick out an outfit that they want to wear. You know, I, and again, not a parent, <laughs> so I don't know <laughs> how it's easy for me to say this, um, but I think giving them that time and opportunity to be their best selves really makes a big difference in the child's attitude. Yeah. Well, one of the strategies that I do share with parents is that you, you know, need to get yourself ready ahead of time so that you're not getting ready with the child, because that's often where we get super frustrated because then, you know, we're, we're not ready, they're not ready and so forth. So like plan ahead because they do need some extra time. They are mastering skills that, you know, it takes them a long time to put on that sock. So right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've been be, there. Ready. <laughs> be ready to have that patience. So, so yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you for, for this time and, and sharing. And I'm, I'm so glad that I got to be the first uh, podcast host because I, I know that you will go on to be on many more podcasts and, and share your work. So, well, this um, is history now. So, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'm glad I can be a supporter because really I, I you know, thoroughly enjoyed uh, you watching your work and then these books that you have done. So, just really, really wonderful. And I know that I usually end, you know, with asking about kind of the advice that a parent would give themselves uh, before their first child. So maybe with you, it's more about an advice maybe you would want to give maybe um, a person who is interested in maybe being a Montessori guide and going into the training, like any words of advice that you would have for them? Uh, I think just you know, kind of be an expert on what you want to do, you know, do your research, make sure this is something that really sparks your interest. And, you know, read a couple books by Maria Montessori. This is something that um, I used to have my assistants do when I led my classroom, and it completely, you know, opened their eyes to different aspects of the child and the child's well-being. I think just educating yourself as much as you can about the subject matter will really help um, with your journey. Mm. Any, any, uh, do you have a favorite of uh, Dr. Montessori's books? 
Oh my goodness. Um, Secret of Childhood obviously is one. Um, that, That's uh, the one I was going to say. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. um, I love the Absorbent Mind as well. That's a really good one. There's so many. <laughs> like there are, there are, and and for our listeners, I will put those uh, in the show notes if you're uh, interested in what uh, Sania was was talking about and and just interested in in Montessori. But um, thank you so much for your time and sharing your your enthusiasm for Montessori and the great work that you're doing. Thank you so much. I truly, truly appreciate this opportunity. I know that you are a Montessori legend as well. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me as well. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.